This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin tonight's show with a visit with Boston Blackie. Now, that was a fictional character created by author Jack Boyle. He grew up in Chicago, Illinois, and while working as a newspaper reporter for San Francisco, he became an opium addict and was drawn into crime and was jailed for writing bad checks. Later, convicted of robbery, Boyle was serving a term in San Quentin when he created the character of Boston Blackie. The first four stories appeared in the American Magazine in 1914, with Boyle writing under the pen name number 6066. From 1917 to 1919, Boston Blackie stories appeared in the Red Book Magazine, and from 1918, they were adapted for motion pictures. Actor Chester Morris was the best-known Blackie, playing the character in 14 Columbia Picture Films, and in the 1944 NBC radio series. Boston Blackie is the role for which Morris is best remembered. Donald, what's the matter with your appetite? Nothing's the matter with my appetite, Mom. Ask me what's the matter with the stuff you cooked. If you don't like what Mom cooked, don't eat it. Don't make any remarks about it either. Why don't you shut up? Donald, don't talk that way to your brother. Kenneth isn't making any trouble. He isn't making it any pleasant around here either. Maybe you'd better leave the table, Donald. I might as well. Don't let him upset you, Ma. He's just in one of his moods this morning. He's always in one of his moods. Uh... I don't know why I put up with you two. You don't know why you put up with us. Well, I like that. I don't know how we put up with you. You refuse to work. You won't help me around the house. You won't do a thing ever. You let your brother support you and me wait on you. It's a good setup, isn't it, Mother? But you want me to move out and do things my way. Maybe that wouldn't be as bad as I've always imagined. Maybe I ought to let you. (laughs) You won't. You'll do anything to keep me out of trouble. By the way, I need ten dollars for this afternoon. I won't give it to you. All right, then. I'll better give it to him more. Just go out and try and steal it if you don't. Thanks, brother. Sometimes you're almost a good guy. You ought to be ashamed to take money from me, Donald. It's Kenneth's money. He works for it, and all you do is spend it. That's the way it's supposed to be. He makes it, I spend it. Where's the $10, Ma? I'll get it for you. But believe me, this is going to stop one of these days. When it stops, I'll start. That's simple, isn't it? Keep me happy, I keep out of trouble. Maybe I ought to let you go. You'll end up in just one place, the electric chair. And maybe that's a good idea. And now, on to Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. 
Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friend. I'm leaving now, Mr. Williams. Is there anything you want me to do? Uh, no, Kenneth. I think you've seen enough of the office for today. <laughs> uh, you put everything in the safe, didn't you? Uh, yes, sir. Well, then, I guess that's all. I guess that's all, Kenneth. See you in the morning. Good night. Good night. Night, Miss Holloway. Oh, good night, Kenneth. There's a fine boy, Miss Holloway. Hard worker. He'll go places someday. Mm, he's all right, but have you ever met his brother? Once. That was enough. Mm. How two brothers can be so different. It stopped raining, hasn't it? Yes, it stopped about a half hour ago. That's good. I hate to go home in the rain. Well, we might as well call it a day ourselves, Miss Holloway. Say, what's Kenneth using for a head this afternoon? He didn't put everything in the safe. Look at those ledgers on the table. Why, that's funny. <laughs> Kenneth never forgets those ledgers. Well, he's entitled to slip up once, Miss Holloway. <laughs> I'll put them away. Would you hand them to me? Yes, yes, of course. Thank you. Hey. Kenneth really must have something on his mind. He left this office supply tray out of the cabinet. Oh, I'll put it back. Uh, never mind. I'll oh, I've got it. Oh, oh, Mr. Williams, I'm so oh, my sorry. My fault. Always let a woman have her way, I always say. Guess I should have let you carry it. Oh, well, I'll pick up the stuff that's spilled. Oh, don't bother, Miss Holloway. Nothing but paper clips, thumbtacks, a couple of pencils. Even for the cleaning woman. And for Pete's sake, don't look so conscience-stricken. It wasn't yeah. your fault. Well, all right, I won't look like that anymore. But i better write a note for the woman who cleans telling her that... Um, come in. Oh, Mr. Williams, he has a gun. Good heavens, man, no. Don't be a fool. Yeah, who was it? It's your mother, Donald. I want to clean up your room. Okay, come on in, clean it. Who's stopping you? Why didn't you do it today while I was out? I'd like to be along the evening. I like to spend my evenings doing something besides housework, too, Donald, but there's too much to do around here. Not for me, there isn't. But I like it that way. Oh, Donald, your dress is a mess. Can't you ever put anything away? Why should I? It's too much bother. Everything's too much bother to you, isn't it? Did you go to see Harry Brown as you promised? Ah, uh, I saw the bomb this afternoon. I went way across town to see him. All he wanted was to give me a job at his gas station. A job wouldn't hurt you, Donald, and Mr. Brown's company pays well. So what? You didn't take the job, did you? <laughs> Are you kidding, Ma? Oh, Donald, you're impossible. Look at these dresser drawers. No wonder your clothes are always in such a mess. Suppose one is worse than the other. Hey, 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 keep out of that drawer, Mother. I'm going to clean this room of yours inside. I told you to stay out of there. Donald, where did you get all this money? Money? There's no money in that drawer. There's no... Wow. Hey, the... hey that must be $25,000. You didn't know it was in here, did you? Oh, no, Ma, no. I, uh, I took a shirt at cans. I didn't want you to see it. A gun. There's a gun in here. So you have a gun, too. Ma, that money isn't mine. That gun isn't mine. The money isn't yours because you stole it. But the gun is, and you got this money by using it. It's been fired recently. I can tell by the smell of it. Put up your hands, Donald. Put that gun away, Mom. Warning you. I'm warning you, Donald Carver. You do as I say, or when the police get here, they'll have to take you to the morgue. (laughs) 
Hello. Hello, Blackie. This is Mary. Oh, hello, Mary. You sound excited. What's the matter? Well, did you hear what was on the radio a minute ago? No, I didn't. Mine isn't on. Well, Inspector Faraday just solved a robbery and a murder in one hour and 30 minutes. And guess who was arrested? Who? <laughs> Donald Carver. Donald Carver? Who's he? Blackie, don't you remember the woman who came to see you about a year ago? The woman with the son who needed a talking to? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> My talking to him didn't take, huh? <laughs> well, it took for a year and then wore off. Apparently, there was a robbery and murder early this evening, and Carver's mother found some of the stolen money and the murder gun in her son's dresser drawer and phoned the police. His own mother turned him in, huh? Mm-hmm. Gee, must have been a pretty tough thing for her to do. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. I just remembered something else about Mrs. Carver. Huh? She said if I didn't straighten Donald out, she'd do something drastic to get rid of him. Yes, yes, that's right, she did. Mary, it's not like a killer to keep a murder gun in his dresser drawer. It can be found too easily. Well, this whole case was over in 90 minutes. I think the case has just begun, Mary. Who was killed and where? Uh, a man named Williams and his secretary, Miss Holloway. It happened in Mr. Williams' office where Donald's brother Kenneth works. Uh, that's 18 Oval Square. 18 Oval Square, huh? Uh-huh. Well, I'm going to Oval Square right now. And I'll bet before long I have Faraday running around in circles. <laughs> Park one day in the mirror. Very nice voice you have there. Back up there, young fellow. You'll get your feet wet. When I scrub floors, I scrub them and everything on them. In the merry, merry month of... Uh, I'm sorry to bother you while you're working, but I'm Boston Blackie. A murder was committed in this room this evening, I understand. Mighty good understanding you've got. Month of May, I... Uh, how long has it been since the police left? Oh, about an hour. Take a look around. Never see such a mess. There must have been some fight here before the killings. Taken by surprise uh, by... Finally, uh, was that stuff on the floor there when you came in? Yep. Pair of roguish eyes. Paper clips and thumbtacks and papers and all. Yep. Cops figured out they got knocked on the floor during the struggle. What's it to you? I don't know yet. Well, thanks for letting me interrupt your work. I'll be seeing you in the merry, merry month of May. Blackie, are you sure this is Mrs. Carver's house? I'm positive. Well, let's go in. All right. I'm with you. Careful, Mary. It's muddy. Oh, oh. It was an awful rain this afternoon. We had an awful mess as we walked to Mrs. Carver's house. I'll say. You can tell a lot of people have been here. <laughs> a lot of policemen, I know that. <laughs> I'll bet that's Faraday's print right there, the big flat one. <laughs> <laughs> that one there is probably Mrs. Carver's. And Mary, huh? look at those prints going around to the side of the house, the path that leads to the kitchen. Oh, yeah. There's an unusual design in one of the heels. See? A round indentation in the mud. Yeah, yeah I see it. But I haven't been interested in mud since I stopped making mud pies. Come on, let's go in and see Mrs. Carver. Well, that is what we came down here to do, isn't it? You come out there. What? Get away from here. Well, wherever Blackie goes, there's trouble. I said get out of here. Blackie, he's holding a shotgun. I know, and he's holding us up from going in, too. Hey, look, you, uh, we want to see Mrs. Carver. You heard me say to get off these premises, didn't you? Well, get him fast. Mom isn't seeing anybody. Now, get out of here before I count three, or I'll... What's the trouble? That's okay, Put down Mom. that gun. 
Who is it out there? It's me, Mrs. Carver, Boston Blackie, and my friend, Miss Wesley. Oh, Blackie, come in. Please come in. Kenneth didn't know you. Well, Mom says to come in. What are you waiting for? I never thought such a contradictory young man. Angry because we came here, and now he's angry because we won't come in. I don't care how angry he got, as long as that shotgun kept cool. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Carver. Hello. Hope you don't mind a couple of visitors. Come in, Blackie. You too, Miss Wesley. Kenneth, put away that shotgun. Okay, Mom. Sorry about the gun, Blackie. Didn't know it was you. I guess you're here because of my brother. Yes, we are. Mrs. Carver, it must have been very difficult for you to turn in your own son. It was, Blackie. But not so difficult to find some of the stolen money in the murder gun, huh? It was in his dresser drawer. I was cleaning. That late in the evening? I had a lot of washing to do during the day. You know, Mrs. Carver, I remember a remark you made about a year ago concerning Donald and his antics. You said you might not be able to stand them or him much longer. Are you hinting that Mark killed those people and is trying to blame Donald? Why don't you hit You mean you want to try? Why, Alvin? Blackie, please, now don't hit him. Whether or not he gets hit is up to him, Mary. Get out of here, Blackie. Get out before I throw you out. Blackie, please, now let's not have any trouble. Please, Blackie. Wait a minute. Uh, what time did you come home tonight, Kenneth? At a quarter to six. At exactly a quarter to six? Yes. I left the office at 5.30, and when I leave then, I'm always home by a quarter to six. How do you know it was exactly a quarter of six? I looked at the clock just as I came in. That's one way of telling, isn't it? Yes, I suppose so. The clock was right. Where is it? I want to check the clock. In the kitchen, right above the stove, Blackie. Mm -hmm. I use it to tell how long a roast has been cooking. You know, you've got to cook a roast. Wait a minute, Mom, please. All right. Blackie, a little while ago, I told you to get out of here. What are you waiting for? Nothing now, Kenneth. I just want to know all the facts, that's all. Well, good night. Night. Mary. Mary, where are you? I'm out here waiting for you, Blackie. Oh. Well, seems to me the murder case is pretty much solved. Faraday has arrested Donald Tarver, and you've found nothing to indicate that Donald didn't kill Kenneth's boss and the secretary. You know, Mary, I like to agree with you. It makes things so much easier for the two of us. <laughs> Only you've never been so completely wrong in all your life. <laughs> Mrs. Martha Carver has two sons, Donald and Kenneth. Son Donald is a ne'er-do-well whose demand for money keeps the family broke. Shortly after son Kenneth leaves his office, his boss and boss's secretary are both shot and killed by a man who then robs the safe. Part of the stolen money is then found by Mrs. Carver in her son Donald's dresser. A recently used pistol is found there, too. So Donald is arrested. Boston Blackie, however, feels that Donald has been framed, but he can't prove it. As we return to our story, Blackie is in Inspector Faraday's office seeking further facts. Blackie, you have no more right in this case than I do in the Ladies' Aid Society. You have no right in this case either, Faraday. No right answers. Oh, I suppose you do. Well, so far, I'm only guessing at things, but I've had pretty good luck with my guesses. When were Williams and the secretary killed? None of your business. 5.30. Well, at 5.30, where was Donald Carver? He says he was with a man named Harry Brown. Did he check? Sure, but Brown left town at 6.30. Well, we should try. I didn't have to. The gun found in Donald's dresser was the murder gun. So what? The money found in his dresser was part of the money stolen from the Williams Company safe. Where's the rest of it? How do I know? Maybe he spent it. Donald Carver has a bad reputation. And you're going to have a worse one if you don't let him go. I've already let him go. What? I had to. 
in spite of the evidence against him. Harry Brown called in from out of town, and he swears that Donald Carver was with him from five to six. And Brown's office is 50 blocks from where the murder took place. Well, with Donald Carver free, who are you going to get to take his place? No one. I still think Donald Carver is guilty. With a perfect alibi? I'm going to prove his alibi isn't so perfect. Don't bet. I could tell you where you'll find your killer, though. He could tell me, he says. All right, tell me. Well, if I were you, I'd invite me to go back to the Carver house. I think it would be a good idea if we had a good talk with Mrs. Carver. Well, what are you sitting there looking at me for? The police let me go. They think I'm innocent. Is my own brother going to convict me? Why don't you get out of here, Don? Want to try to make me? Yeah. You know, kid, I have an idea I was framed. And I got a very good idea who did it, too. Maybe you and Mom did this thing together. You never were much good, Donald. But just how low can you get? I ought to knock every... try, Mama's boy. Scared? Not of you. And this will prove it. So you do have a little blood in you, huh, kid? Well, I'm going to see just how much and what color it is. That's what you think. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> Come on, take it easy. Take it easy. All right, all right. I should have killed the rat. Are you all right, Kenneth? Yeah, Blackie, I'll live. But get that guy out of here or he won't. I'll take care of you, brother. Now, call me Faraday. I'll let you all have it to go. Let him go, Faraday. Okay. I've owed him a workout for a year. Where's your mother, tough guy? Who knows? Where is she, Kenneth? I don't know. She left here right after you and Miss Wesley did. I, mean, I don't know when she's coming back or where she went. I think maybe you had the right idea about talking to Mrs. Carver, Blackie. I've got another idea. I mean, this was a question. Kenneth, I went up to your office after the murders. The cleaning woman showed me a lot of office supplies. Thumbtacks, paperclips, pencils, the usual stuff. Only they were on the floor. What am I expected to know about that? Well, I thought maybe it was spilled during the day. An accident or something, was it? Not while I was there. Blackie, I don't know what you're trying to prove. All I know is you haven't done it. Now, let's get out of here. I'm going to send out an alarm for Mrs. Carver. When we pick her up, this case will be over. From the very beginning, this case has been over, Faraday. Over your head. Stand right where you are, Blackie. What? Mrs. Carver. And again... What are you doing in my apartment? You're looking for trouble, Blackie. Looks like I found it. Why the gun, Mrs. Carver? I don't want to hurt you, Blackie. But if you don't stay away from my boys and me, I'll kill you. I don't know who killed those people, but I don't want you to find out. Mrs. Carver, be smart and put down that gun. Why should I? Because I think you trust me. After you put down the gun, you're going to do one other thing. What is that? Call your sons, both of them. They're at home. And you're going to tell them to meet you in Inspector Faraday's office. Am I? Yes. And you know what you're going to do in Faraday's office? What? You're going to confess that you robbed and murdered Williams and his secretary and tried to blame it on your son, Donald. Don't be funny, Blackie. Mrs. Carver, your guilty son has succeeded in outsmarting the police so far. But you really want him caught. I know that. And I promise you I'll prove a case against him. So, won't you help me do it quickly and get it over with? 
shot and killed Mr. Williams and his secretary, Miss Holloway, and robbed the safe. Then I put part of the uh, money... A little in... more slowly, Mrs. Carver. This is being typed as you talk. I'm sorry. Are you even with her, Casey? Uh, yes, McFarlane. All right, Mrs. Carver, go on. Mother, why did you let them talk you into this? You know you're not telling the truth. I know what I'm doing, Kenneth. And now I know what you try to do to me. I'm sorry, Donald. Go on, Mrs. Carver. I know this isn't pleasant for you, so let's get it over with. Uh, finish your statement, Mrs. Carver. Never mind, Blanky. All right. Then I put the money and the gun I used in my son Donald's dresser drawer. I did this so he would be sent to the electric chair, and my son Kenneth and I could live in peace again. Donald made our lives miserable. I think that's all I care to say just now. I think you've said enough, too, Mrs. Carver. Let's have it, Casey. Here you are, now you'll just sign this, Mrs. Carver, and we'll let you rest. Thank you. Where do I sign? Uh, there, just after the word signed. Blackie, you and Casey uh, sign as witnesses, will you? Yes. With pleasure, Faraday. No, 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 you can't do it. Now, wait a minute, Mom. Don't sign that. I won't let you. I'll admit it. I did it. No, no, darling. Don't try to protect me. No, 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 Mom. Not protect you. I'm just telling the truth. Wait a minute. What is this? This is what I've been waiting for, Faraday. Donald, I was hoping you'd confess. You just couldn't see your mother go to the electric chair, could you? No, not for something she didn't do. Let her go, Faraday. I'm the guy you want. Ma, tell me the truth. Tell me a lie. I'm sorry, Donald, but my confession says... No, it doesn't. It's a lie. I know you hate me and I don't blame you, but you're not going to jail for something I did. I killed those two people. I'll take over from here, Mrs. Carver. <laughs> Faraday, on my way back down here, I stopped and bought a large box of thumbtacks. Mind if I spill them on the floor? Blanky, this is no time for fooling around. You've messed things up enough. What's the idea of the tax? Well, pardon the pun, but it may tax your mentality to get the idea. Now, but if some people can sleep on a bed of nails and prove something, I can walk across four of tax and prove something. Now, uh, I want you to watch this, will you? What are you trying to do, Blanky? Trying to pick up a tax and pick out a killer. Oh, stop wasting my time. Mrs. Carver just confessed to the crime. Now Donald Carver has confessed. I thought you had this whole thing figured out. I do, Faraday. And I did when I came in. Uh, now, look at the bottom of my shoe. There, what do you see? Thumbtacks. So what? Now look at the bottom of Kenneth Carver's shoes, and you'll see so what. I had nuts. He didn't walk across these tacks. No. But there were tacks on the floor of the Williams office, weren't there? Yeah, but what is that? Uh, let's see one of your shoes, Carver. What for? Just let's see one of them. Okay, okay. Hey, yeah. And there you are, Faraday. A large-headed thumbtack. Look closely and you'll find it's the same kind you found on the floor of the murder room. A guy can pick up a thumbtack anywhere. Not the kind you have in the heel of that shoe of yours, Kenneth. And I have further proof you murdered your boss and tried to pin the crime on your brother Donald. Oh, you don't have any proof. If he didn't do it, Ma did. She wanted him sent to the chair. If she did, she picked a very poor time to frame him. Your mother knew your brother had an appointment with Harry Brown, 50 blocks from your office. Mrs. Carver, you knew your son Donald was nowhere... Near the Williams office, didn't you? Yes. But you didn't know it, did you, Kenneth? So I didn't know it. So what? What does that prove? Any more than the fact that I have a thumbtack in the heel of my shoe. That proves plenty, that thumbtack, believe me. Kenneth, you didn't leave the building the night of the murders. You came back, shot your boss and his secretary, and stepped on one of the thumbtacks that were on the floor. How they got there, I don't know. Maybe there was a fight or they were dropped accidentally. Wait a minute, Blackie. Don't get me all mixed up. Suppose this Kenneth guy picked up the thumbtack on the street, any place at all. Just because it's in his heel doesn't mean he was in the office. Oh, but it does. 
You see, it had been raining when he got home, and Kenneth, good son that he is, wouldn't go in the front door and muddy up the living room. He went in through the kitchen. Remember, Mrs. Carver? He told me he looked at the clock, and you told me it was in the kitchen. He did Remember? come in through the kitchen that evening. Uh-huh, sure. And the footprints leading to the kitchen had a small, round indentation in the heel. I noticed it when I came to the house with Mary. I could have accused Kenneth then, but I wanted the whole story first. Now I know he kept most of the money and put the rest of the money and the gun in Donald's dresser. Tried to frame me, did he? I'll tear that guy up. But don't bother, Donald. I've already done that to his alibi. Faraday will take it from there. If a buddy meets a buddy... You better pull your shoes back, young fella. You'll get them soaked. Well, I didn't want to interrupt your song by telling you I was here. I heard you come in and knew who you were without having to look at your face. I can tell by your shoes. You're the young fella, Boston Blackie, who came around asking questions the night of the murder. Coming through the right. Well, I'm the same person, all right. I came back to thank you for your help. Help? I didn't do nothing to help. If a buddy kiss a buddy... You did quite some helping, though. You practically made that brother Kenneth confess. I was reading about it in the papers. Well, it was the supposed to be bad brother Donald that set up the whole thing, you know. Should the buddy cry, every lassie has her let... Say, one thing I never understood. Why did that woman, Mrs. Carver, come to your place with a gun? Well, she came there because she knew it was Kenneth that did the killing. And she didn't want me to try to prove it. When I told her I could prove it, with or without her help, she agreed to my plan. She found Kenneth wasn't such a good son when he was willing to stand by and see her confess. Mm, she sure did. None they have, say I. Say, what happened to Donald? Well, he got a job in a gas station, and according to Mrs. Carver, he kind of likes the idea of honest work. Never hurt nobody. And all the lads, they smile at me when a coming through the ride.
Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Fibber McGee and Molly, a program that first aired in 1939. The Johnson Wax Program. Makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Company with Jim Jordan as Fibber, Donald Novis, The Four Notes, and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with Don't Ever Leave Me. At this time of year, every woman secretly yearns to run away from housework, to escape from the drudgery of cleaning and scrubbing. Well, now here's a way to save yourself hours of tiresome work without feeling that you're a shirker in any sense of the word. Just get some Johnson's self-polishing glow coat and apply a little of this easy-to-use liquid polish to your floors and linoleum. Then put on your hat and march out. When you come back, you'll be greeted by beautiful, shining floors. Floors that will stay clean and fresh because... They're protected from dirt and wear by the shining glow coat polish. You see, glow coat is self-polishing. It shines as it dries without help from you. Now, if you feel a touch of spring fever coming on, hurry up and put Johnson's self-polishing glow coat on your floors. Then you can play hooky from work. And your floors will look more beautiful than ever before. Just be sure you get the real thing. G-L-O hyphen C-O-A-T. Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. Vista is the more or less happy home of a new rendezvous de sandwich on the corner of 14th and Oak Streets. It's a new hamburger stand, owned and operated temporarily at least, by our own leader of cafe society, Fibber, you know our hamburgers because we know our onions, McGee. Let's see, bud. What'd you have? Two hamburgers and coffee. That'll be 30 cents. Thank you. Uh, didn't you want some more coffee, bud? The second cup is free. Not terrible. <laughs> now, bud, I guess you didn't read the sign. What sign? Why, right up there. Coffee like mother used to make. What do you mean, insulting my mother that way? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I gotta make this joint more exclusive <laughs> Have to get some tablecloths And scare away the riffraff, I guess Hey, chef Yes? <laughs> I had a complaint on the coffee a minute ago You sure it's okay? Oh, sure I just had four cups myself And I feel all right Except I can't get my eyes uncrossed <laughs> It ain't the coffee that makes you cross-eyed Take the spoon out of your cup <laughs> I never thought of that. Well, don't... Uh-oh. Here comes Mrs. Uppington. Get that griddle hot. It's hotter than a $2 pistol now, boss. Oh, 
say, how do you do, Mr. McGee? <laughs> oh, what a quaint little shop, really. <laughs> well, thanks, Uppy. How... Say, you look kind of upset. Oh, yes. Yes, I am, Mr. McGee. Oh. I, I suppose I'm just a silly girl, but Horatio and I have... Uh, well, we've, we've quarreled. Oh. We've had a tip. Oh, dear. <laughs> a tip? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> but give me the details, Uppy. What has poisoned Cupid's arrows now? Oh, it was such a trivial thing, Miss McGee. Uh-huh. Oh, it was such a silly thing. Oh, that old oil stock. Uh-oh. You see, Horatio was so hurt because my broker refused to permit me to turn in my AT&T for a wonderful investment in Brazilian oil. <laughs> you see, Horatio is president of the oil company, too. Yes, I thought yes. so. Oh, <laughs> oh, such a stupid misunderstanding. Oh, forget it, Uppy. Why don't you have a hamburger and forget your troubles? A nice, well-did hamburger with onions. Heaven, how plebeian. Without onions, then. Better eat something. Remember, many an empty stomach has been mistaken for a broken heart. <laughs> oh, Perhaps you're right. Well, sure I am. Come on, grab a stool, Uppy, and order up. Very well. Now, I, um, I think I shall start with some caviar. Okay, Uppy. Hey, chef. Rob a sturgeon. Fish the fish. <laughs> now, what else, Uppy? Uh, some jelly consomme, I think. Pea soup with a palsy. Uh, a jitter bug gumbo And now for an entree Let me see Oh yes, curried shrimp Rub down for a lobster's cousin uh, A Swedish massage for a shellfish Ah <laughs> oh, dear Any dessert, Uppy? Uh, yes, yes, a chocolate eclair And a demitasse Okay Brunette on a bun and a mug for a midget. Uh, a suntan cream puff and a drop in the bucket. <laughs> now, now dry them tears and take it easy, Uppy. Your hamburger will be right up. Hamburger? What, sir? But really, I, I didn't want a hamburger. No, but these hamburgers. Why, listen, Uppy. Do you realize that every cow in the country hopes its kids will grow up to be a McGee hamburger? <laughs> For a calf, that's like growing up to be president. I'm telling you, Uppy, you never had oh, such a ham... please, please, Mr. McGee. Can't you see that I'm in no mood for this? Oh, dear me, I, I'm such an unhappy girl. Oh, you, you'll have to forgive me, Mr. McGee, but really, I, I simply must go. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> You gotta go. Well, I feel kind of sorry for her. It's a terrible thing to find your big moment is really small time. Hey, chef, cancel that hamburger. Okay. Back in the barn. (laughs) Hello there, Johnny. Need a good dishwasher? (laughs) No, thanks, old timer. We use paper plates and throw them away. Hey! I says, no thanks. Besides, washing dishes wouldn't be good for your rheumatism. You go on and be a little stiff in your own joints. (laughs) That's pretty good, Johnny. But that ain't the way I heard it. The way I heard it, one feller says to the other feller, Say, he says... 
Say, them hamburgers smell pretty good, Johnny. Will you have one, old timer? Sure will, Johnny, a little later. What was I talking about? Oh, yes. See, says. See where the Republicans might run this feller Dewey for president. That so, says t'other feller. He got a good record? Sure has, says the first feller. Look what he done at Manila. <laughs> Make that hamburger of mine with plenty of onions, Johnny. I ain't got a date tonight. <laughs> Keep it hot for me while I go home and get my teeth. <laughs> I'll say he ain't got a date tonight. He may have spring in his heart, but that don't help the fall in his arches. <laughs> Old curmudgeon. Hey, boss! What's the matter, bud? You know that big can of cream we use for the coffee? Yes. Oh, we ain't got much milk left in it. <laughs> okay, I'll order some right away. Hello, operator. Give me the wistful vista cream. Oh, is that you, Mert? It's Fibber McGee, Mert. How's everything? Huh? Your old man. Oh, that's too bad. Split his what? Oh, dear, dear, dear. Brushed him right down there, huh? What's that, Mert? 22 stitches, eh? Well, I warned him, Mert. I told him them pants was too tight. <laughs> Just call the creamy for me, will you, Mert? And tell him to send me over some cream. Okay, thanks, Mert. Oh, hi, Billy. Hello, Hi, Fibber. Don. Hi, Fibber. Well, have a couple of hamburgers? No, thanks. I had one this morning and didn't like it. Found a piece of cloth in it. Why, Don, a piece of cloth in one of our hamburgers? Well, hey, wait a minute. What color was it? Blue. I thought so. That was blue ribbon beef you was eating there, boy. <laughs> what you gonna sing, Don? I promise you. Oh, I like that there. You go ahead and sing while I... Oh. Greeting, Gate. What do you have on your plate? <laughs> That's from the Hope Show, and we show hope you like our hamburgers. Well, I do. I was in this morning and bought six. Uh, fix me up a couple more of them, will you? Just like the last ones. Very thin and very well done. Uh, better make it four of them to go out. Oh, okay, bud. A quartet for a road show. One for the griddle, cook it slow, brown in the middle, and four to go. <laughs> Take it, Don. <laughs> My love for you is as great as a love can be Yet words couldn't quite express the way that I feel And as we stand at the doorway of days to be I faithfully take an I promise you with heart sincere that I will always love you, dear, that when you need me, I'll be here, I promise you, I promise you I'll build a you with every 
dawn that I awaken, I know my chances will increase to keep the vow I've taken, to see that your joys never cease. I promise you your heart will sing in what will see. to bring you everything I promise you. That was Donald Novus, folks, singing I Promise You. And very, very good, too, Don. That was one of the best numbers. Oh, hi, sis. Welcome to the Palais Tomain. <laughs> Sit down and have a McGee hamburger. They're as sweet as a girlfriend the week before Christmas and as tender as our foreign relations. No, no, thank you. I'm making a special survey. Tell me, do you think the radio will ever replace the phonograph? <laughs> Of course it won't, sis. Why not? You can't play both sides of a broadcast. <laughs> oh, thank you. These surveys. <laughs> I'll bet the reason so many businessmen go out of business is they have to take so much time from business to fill out questionnaires asking them how business is. Wow, some business. Hello, Fibber. Oh, hi, Harpo. Have a hamburger? No, I don't believe I want a hamburger. Haven't you got a nice juicy steak? Nice juicy steak? Why, certainly. How about a big, juicy filet mignon? Oh, boy, swell. Okay. Hey, chef, saddle a filet for a steak race. <laughs> now, <roll! laughs> You going to be a regular customer, Harpo? Oh, probably. I eat all my meals out, you know. Hey, but don't you get tired of that, Harpo? Well, why don't you get married and settle down? Well, gee, I proposed to a girl once, and she said no. She did? Maybe you didn't propose right. Yes, I did. I proposed real nice and on my knees, too. Well, what'd you say to her? I said, darling... Mood music, Mills. I said, darling, look at this dull, dingy floor. Let me build you a little love nest and we'll call it Glowcoat Manor. I'll show you how you can keep your floors in linoleum bright and shining with Johnson's Glowcoat with absolutely no rubbing or buffing to roughen those little hands of yours. Oh, boy, what passion. <laughs> and then I said, think of it, dear, just to pour a little glow coat on the floor and spread it around with the long-handled applier, and then you and I holding hands on the sofa for 20 precious minutes while the glow coat dries to a beautiful mirror-like polish. <laughs> I'd like to have seen the love light in her eyes when you got to the part about saving one-third on the large size can. <laughs> well, you know, that was the odd part of it, Fibber. Huh? She suddenly stood up with a strange look in her eyes and said, Listen, Poodle. She used to call me Poodle. Oh. <laughs> Listen, Poodle, she said. Where do you get this wonderful Johnson's glow coat? And I said, Oh, at any hardware store, a drugstore, or the grocery man. And then she was gone. Oh, and then you never saw her again no more? Oh, yes, at her wedding. She'd gone right out and married the grocery man. <laughs> oh, I see. I guess I just don't understand women. 
Here's your steak, Mr. Wilcox. <laughs> Shall we give you a bone on the side, poodle? <laughs> no, no, thanks. This will be our... Say, this is a hamburger. I thought you were giving me a nice, juicy steak. That's it, Harpo. Only we grind our steaks up. That's what makes them so juicy. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. Yeah. Yeah. What's Let's... the matter, boss? Didn't he want the hamburger? No, I guess not. Put it on a table by the window and I'll eat it myself. Give people passing by confidence in the place to see the boss eating his own vittles. Oh, hi, bud. Here's the hamburgers you ordered. Oh, thanks. Uh, fix me a half a dozen more cooked exactly like those others. Thin and well done. Oh. Even better done this time. I'll be back for them later. Okay, bud. Hey, chef. Six hamburgers to go. Thin and well done and hurry them up. Six cows. Stop eat them. <laughs> Hello, mister. Do you need a good cashier? <laughs> Yes, it's Zazu Pitts again, folks. The gal with the permanent wave in each hand. <laughs> what made you think I might need a cashier, sis? Well, I thought if you had somebody sitting at the desk there by the window, you know, somebody with the... Well, I don't know as I ought to say it myself, but you know, a certain appeal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a thought, sis. You need the job? Oh, not financially. But goodness, I thought now there is a place to work where a girl can meet some nice men in a refined way. I think sitting there all day long handling money and watching many would satisfy both my playgirl complex and my maternal instinct. <laughs> well, I don't know, sis. What experience you had? Well, my last experience, mister, was at the public library. Uh-huh. A very nice man came up to me and said, What are you doing tonight, babe? And I thought a minute and said, Well, I'm going home and rinse out a few things. <laughs> and then I'm going to church for an hour or so. And then I looked up and he was gone. <laughs> Another experience Just I had... Just a minute, sis. I didn't mean your romantic experiences. What experience you had as cashier? Well, I've kept my own budget for years and years, mister. Mm -hmm. I'd show it to you, but it's in the same book as my diary. <laughs> and maybe I might have been a little too frank in a girlish sort of way. <laughs> Listen, sis, are you accurate? Can you make change? Oh, dear, I'm sure I can. My grandfather was a lightning calculator and only made one mistake in his life. What was that? He calculated lightning wouldn't strike him if he stood under a tree in the golf course. <laughs> we never found anything but his niblick. Well, that's too bad. But it just takes one stroke to ruin a man's game. <laughs> now listen, sis. If you work here, we can't have you eating hamburgers all day long. You realize that, don't you? No, dear, yes. I don't like hamburgers anyway. Don't you ever serve chicken? We always have chicken at our house. That's all. I take the wings, my brother takes the legs, and mother gets the liver, but the heart belongs to daddy. <laughs> we don't seem to be getting anywhere, sis. I'll give you a simple test. Now, suppose I just had a couple of hamburgers at 10 cents a piece, two cups of coffee, the second one free, and a piece of pie at a dime. How much would I have to pay? Nothing. Why not? Dear me, you own this place, don't you? Oh. 
Yes, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid you won't do. Well, all right, but if you change your mind, my telephone number is 476. 476. Oh, tell me, mister. Is your Mr. Wilcox married? <laughs> Why, no, he ain't, sis. No, mine. He's so nice, too. <laughs> Uh, where does he live, mister? At the Wistful Vista Bachelor Apartments. Why'd you want to know where Harpo lives? Well, it's probably just fate, mister, but do you realize I pass by his house almost every afternoon, starting tomorrow? How dear to my heart are the scenes of my childhood. When fond recollection presents them to view But something sure has happened to the old oaken bucket His story's sad but true There's a hole in the old oaken bucket And it don't hold no water no more, no more There's a hole in the old, old oaken bucket Bucket, bucket singing a Billy Mills arrangement of There's an Aperture in the Old Oaken Container. <laughs> well, that was nice going, kids. If I wasn't wrapped up in this hamburger joint, I'd back you in a bucket shop. Now, let's see. I better make out the menu for tomorrow. H-A-M-B-U-R-G-E-R-S. There. That's taken care of. <laughs> oh, hi, Boomer. Good day, Fancy Pants. Good day. <laughs> What's this about you and Mrs. Uppington having a falling out? I hope it's nothing temporary. Quite true, quite true. The dear girl has been badly advised, I think. That's all. After all we have in common, she insists on holding her preferred. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you, nosy Parker, I hold responsible for the lovely creature's financial stubbornness. <laughs> Who, me? Why, shucks, Boomer. All I ever said about you was that... You was a crook and a bum and the kind of a chiseler that would scrape the gold leaf off the sign in front of the old lady's home. <laughs> Shucks. I thought that was a real conservative estimate. 
crumble face, one of these days you will go too far with me. But I'm not the one to hold a grudge. No, not Horatio K. Boomer. By the way, uh, how is my credit for a hamburger? <laughs> bad, Boomer, bad. No dough, no grub. I was afraid of that. Only reason I ask, I don't believe I have anything smaller with me than a $100 bill. That's so. Well, let's see it. Oh, uh, certainly, certainly. Have it right here. Uh, someplace. Let's see now. Where did I put that $100 bill? $100 bill, $100 bill. Beautiful sound, isn't it? $100 bill. How would I put that bill? A hundred. Here's a personal letter from a collection agency. Very affectionate, too. A little squeeze in every paragraph. <laughs> Driver's license for a man named Dillaway. Seemed to have driven his car away by mistake. Must have been an important citizen, too. Had a motorcycle escort behind me for 12 miles. <laughs> Let's see, letter opener. What do you mean, letter opener? That's a tea kettle. It's still a letter opener, potato bug. <laughs> well, come on, Boomer. The $100 bill or no hamburger? Ah, yes, the $100 bill. Where can I have put it? Invitation to a reception. Small affair. No one there had to crawl in through a window. <laughs> Gold wristwatch, birthday present from Little Hulu Dancer. Beautiful movement, too. <laughs> Topay with gray hair. Always wear that when I want to worry about something. <laughs> and a check for a short beer. Well, well, imagine that. No $100 bill. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what I could have done with it. Too bad if I lost it was made by a dear friend of mine. <laughs> he ran off ten of them and then ran off. <laughs> Somebody hollered, cheese it, and he welched the rabbit. <laughs> well, good day, son of Frankenstein. Good day. <laughs> What a guy. The minute I seen him get a load of Uppy's diamonds, I knew that romance was headed for the rocks. <laughs> oh, well, I don't suppose there's any... Hello there. Are my hamburgers ready? Oh, you betcha, bud. Uh, that'll be uh, 60 cents. Thank you. I, I certainly appreciate your trade, bud. You're, you're my best customer. I hope you come in often. Oh, I will. Your hamburgers are just right for me. Fried, well done, and thin. Oh, that's fine. You, you say you got a shop near here? Yeah, right down the street. What kind of work do you do that makes you so Hungry? Hungry? Oh, I don't eat those things. I'm huh? a cobbler, and I use them for half soul.
Folks, we want to thank America's number one glamour girl, Zazu Pitts, for appearing on our little hamburger barbecue tonight. And incidentally, we don't like to do the same kind of a show two weeks in succession, but don't be surprised if we're back at my sandwich parlor again next Tuesday night, March 14th. Our income tax man is insistent on a joint return. <laughs> Good night, folks. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, Racine, Wisconsin, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. Trevor McGee and Company has been presented from Hollywood's Radio City. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's the lives of Harry Lyme, followed by Duffy's Tavern. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.